Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with second-time guest, Nana Amrata Patel. We're working, welcoming her back to talk about her book, Scent of a Garden, that is available on June 13th. I love having guests return. We could chat and catch up with them and also see what they've been working on since the last time we talked. And in this conversation, uh, Namrata and I catch up and then we also kind of get into how uh, the whole COVID pandemic helped really inspire her characters and her character's story. But without further ado, I'll let you guys get into it. Here is Namrata Patel. So today we've got Namrata Patel. We're welcoming her back for a second time here in the Nerd Cantina. We're talking about Scent of a Garden, which comes out on June 13th. Namrata, thank you for joining us once again. Good to see you. Um, and I, you know, I really enjoyed uh, The Candid Life of Mina Dave or Dave. I remember we talked about the, how to pronounce it last time. And then Scent of a Garden was also just like, I... It's nice to have like, um, you know, familiar voice come out and, and I loved your debut and I was so excited to read this one. So thanks for uh, chatting with us today. Uh, thanks for having me back. And I am excited to be here and, uh, I appreciate you reading and the invitation because you know how much I love to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so before we get started, can you give like a little summary of, um, the book so that, listeners can follow along with the conversation? Yeah. So the heroine is a perfumer working in Paris. And then due to COVID, she loses her sense of smell. And without it, she's a little bit lost. She has hyperosmia, which is a heightened sense of smell. So she's relied on this ability as her identity. And then she just had believed that her destiny was to be a perfumer. So she never really examined it. And uh, when she's forced to return home on a volunteered for her vacation by her boss, she has time to not only rethink about rethink how uh, she came about having the passion for perfumery, what the role her family played in really sort of persuading her to pursue something and the consequence of that, which meant that she had decades of a disconnect with the family who had uh, gone on and continued their lives without her. And she didn't realize how disconnected she was until she get, she got back. And then, you know, she has to learn how to rebuild those relationships. And uh, sometimes you get frustrated as she does with like, why did you all get on, get along without me? And why am I not in, in your life in the way that you are in each other's lives? And so she had a lot of realizing to do in terms of the choices she made, the choices she learns might have been influenced that she made. And then what's next uh, mm-hmm. for her? She goes through this journey, but um, it's warm tone. So it's a little bit less angsty, <laughs> this one, and a little bit more. Um, I wanted to explore just the connection of what you owe to your family who worked so hard to build a future for you. And what does that choice look like when you want to try to pursue something that is different from what your family wants from you? So it's more of a family story, but it's her story. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which is a little bit of like a, you know, a U-turn from the candid life yeah. story because <laughs> she's kind of like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of parallels, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a different style. It's a different, um, 
path that you chose for this main character than you did um for your debut so yeah i i liked asha um you know because i i was thinking about that too like what like how heartbreaking it is for her you know like she's going off and like achieving her her dreams quote-unquote dreams like her her life's like path her life's mission almost like her career um that she had just always envisioned for herself based on like you know her heightened sense and then to have that like like who is she without that gift and then not only that but then you see the family dynamic and it's heartbreaking that she comes back and she's like what is going on you know like she it's it's almost like she's because I could totally see that you think about like, you know, when, when kids move away or when someone moves or even if like there are groups of like not not even only family, just like groups of friends, like, you know, any type of like if you're in school or if you're in college or if you're like, you know, just in a certain um, environment where you're seeing the same people all the time and you're cultivating these like relationships. And then, you know, sometimes people leave or sometimes people move on. But with her, it's like you know, she moved on, but like everyone else, like they kept their lives there. And so, yeah, even though she like went off to go pursue this like romanticized life for herself, you know, she comes back and she's just like, Oh, like maybe I've been missing out type of thing. And how do I, you know, she's got to like see what she needs to do to get those relationships back on track almost, you know, and yeah. wh- whether she wants to or not, she's kind of like, it's <laughs> <she's> like, <laughs> Oh, the things have changed. And like everyone has, and, and life moved on. Cause like her, my life moved on, but so did everybody else. Right. <laughs> so she's kind of like, yeah, it, it is like, I, I remember just kind of like, I liked her, but then again, I also like felt a little like, it was not like sorry for her, but just kind of like, you know, just interested in how things were going to turn out because it's, it's sad in a way, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is. And I think she has a different layer of shell around her than Mina did. Right. Because Mm -hmm. Mina came from uh, isolation into a family and Asha or Poppy, her name is interchangeable really had this family and chose to leave to live sort of solitary life. And you talk about friends. So, you know, I've been privileged. I, I, I've moved around everywhere and I know like my family's moved on, but I get to see them often. But, you know, when I left Boston for Spokane, for example, and, you know, years would go by before I see those groups of friends again and some friendships fade. Right. And sure. but when you come back, you're never as, steady and you you know they have shared jokes now that you're not a part of they have um saw they've seen each other through trials that you weren't there to support them on and so this distance is created whether you want to or not uh emotionally because even with like hyper technology and zoom calls and phone it's really not the same as the daily lives that people Mm -hmm. live And, you know, I wanted to explore that because I think we've all had FOMO in some way, shape or form, Um, particularly if we've had like large cliques that we were a part of or large groups that we were a part of. And and you are you are making choices. In this case, she's making a professional choice. And that choice, unfortunately, put her far, far away from her family. So in this case, you know, her coming back and 
sort of having to examine how much is it on you to rebuild or and how much is it on you to accept that yeah you you weren't there so now what mm-hmm. <laughs> and what is next time being there look like for you right so those were the types of things i wanted to sort of delve into and still make it a little bit more light and cozy yeah <laughs> so- right <laughs> yeah you got to try to keep that cozy in there but no it, yeah absolutely um, cause yeah, it is where you just like, like you said, like, even just with that technology where you can, we could do video calls, even if we're like, you know, across the country or whatever, it's still like that daily, like presence of knowing, oh, we can easily get together like on a weeknight if I really like need someone right now, you know, it's, it's yeah. that it's cause there, yeah, there've been nights where like, you know, I just want to talk to my best friend and we'll do a video call and it's like. But also she's 20 minutes away if we want to have a play date or if we want to get together, you know, just physically. And those require more planning, obviously, but like just nights where I can randomly like, I don't even know if she's available or I just want to talk to her. I'll just like video call her like, surprise, are you busy? Sorry. You know, but then again, yeah, but it's like that physicality where. I know that um my brother he's he's getting ready to head out to Colorado like he's doing a transfer there but he also you know is kind of having second thoughts just for those exact reasons where he's like you know I don't want to you know if things happen he's like I don't want to not be there you know yeah. Which, but yeah at the same time you know she at the like what cuz she moved out like right when she graduated right so it was yeah, like from high school so right she out did of the gate university onward to in Paris and brief yeah. visits home because time and you know it's it's just different Paris is far so it's yeah again trip and you have to carve that time out but yeah I think you know when you're talking about the physicality we saw what happened to our friendships over the pandemic when oh, yeah. like, distance was just naturally created right even if you were 20 minutes away uh and that distance like sure you can commiserate about the day and things like that but being able to now see them on the regular or even the safety of like, if I need someone, someone can be here in 20 minutes and I yeah. have that that person or I have that group or, you know, a spontaneous brunch on Sunday outdoors yeah. if you want it, you know, and it, those things, those are the shared stories we have. And those are the things that bond us. So if, you know, whenever you move like your brother or, you know, me coming back to Boston, uh, even the close group that I had changed, right? Yeah. So I, I was a different person. They were different people. So in some cases, I had to find new friends because I was a different person. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, those are the types of things that I think are interesting that we don't spend a lot of time thinking about. So I decided to write a novel thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like COVID was like, well, the whole like recent um, pandemic that everyone it was like a like on a global scale like we were yeah. all affected by it it was so crazy um just the disparity of it but yeah like so let's explore that a little bit like cuz <laughs> you used that to not only fuel her narrative her her story that she's her journey that she's going through but also just yeah exploring like what happens to those relationships if when we're forced to like not do everything virtual or, you know, like, oh, want to come hang out in my driveway? Like, what? <laughs> you know, so how did, um, how did that, like, 
Oh, and also kind of going into the research too, because yeah. I love, I think it's so fascinating because having her lose her sense that makes her unique and follow this path, you know, what does that path look like perfuming? Like how did that research go about? How did you approach that? Um, I read a lot of books in the perfume industry. I read some white papers. I have a an uncle, I'll put in quotes because he's not blood related, but he's sure. an Indian uncle. He's a uh, my father and he went to elementary school together, but somehow, you know, everybody's in New Jersey. So somehow <laughs> we connected in New Jersey through my cousins or whatnot. And I've been knee deep into research and then his name is Raman Patel and he's, I believe the only Indian master perfumer in the, uh, he's been named master perfumer. I think he's the only one that's Indian, but so I had a chance to talk to him and then I went to visit his lab where they create scents and their business is really, they're part of the, and I'm going to mispronounce it because this is why I did not narrate the audiobook. I cannot do French, <laughs> but the Giovidon or Juvi, that uh, is the parent company of his um, lab. So I really had a chance to play with scents and I really got into the synthetics of it. But what, you know, all of my research and reading was we have this, you know, the, the glamorized version of perfuming, right? Charlize Theron, Julia Roberts, like they're just in these gold and feathers and flowers and bathing <laughs> in like petals. And you have this real luxurious and almost out of reach sort of idea of perfumery. But in the end, it's a business and it's really like a billions of billions of dollars and like four power players. Right. And everything is branched off of there. So when I was doing my research, you know, initially I was like, Oh, I'd love to, for her to play with scents and like, walk the Versailles gardens. And I had this like (laughs) vision, but as I was creating the story, I'm like, it just seems like a lot of science and drudgery. And like, you know, we can all relate to um, creative process in an era of commercialism. Like the bottom line is your perfume has to have a market and your perfume has to like gain market share and all of those things that like sometimes your art when you're younger, you go into an, your uh, vocation and you think, I get to be creative and I can use right. my aesthetics to sort of like lean into it. But your boss is like, it has to, you know, one of the fascinating things is every uh, ingredient in the formula has a price. And so that's how they determine the price of the bottle and then the margin, profit margin. Yeah. Right. So, if you use, in this case, like if you use a real flower rose versus a synthetic rose smell, scent, it, the price goes astronomically up, right? So, <laughs> and um, majority of the perfume is for, it's labeled luxury, but it's not for the billionaires and the multimillionaires. It's yeah, for right. thousandaires. Yeah, know? right. <laughs> and so you're really, the industry has changed from, when you read the history of perfume and the origin of it, and really the origin was, was to cover body odor. <laughs> really, the uh, you know, I I like wound up deglamorizing it because it was a toil. And I think readers could probably relate to 
wanting to do something for passion, but then when it becomes work, then what do you do about it? And is it still your passion? And if it is, then how do you reconcile the two if they diverge, right? So in this case, it was just the first part, which was, she believed she was the, in. it was her passion, but she was also like, man, I hate being uh, (laughs) just told what I can and cannot put in a scent or being prescriptive about what it has to be in order for the client to be happy or the brand to be happy, that she was already losing some of that. But she ha- she's ambitious and she wanted to continue because she has this goal to become a master perfumer. So mm-hmm. long story, but in the research, I really dove deep into the research and I don't know, some may call it like avoidance for writing, but I really love love the research part. So I'm glad it came across. You're you're not not alone. You you find yourself, you fall down the rabbit hole, you know, like you just, once you you roll with it, you find more information and then you're like, oh, do I need, how deep do I need to go? Yeah. And you know that um, you have that iceberg method where like 90% of it is under the tip, like, I had so much research, I had to like, uh, simplify it so that I didn't take the reader out of the story. Like, you know, the conceits, like my editor is like, you just need to stop trying to be cute in your writing. So the conceit (laughs) was like, maybe each chapter will start with a formula for a scent or, and she was like, just tell the story, the story, they don't care about formulas. (laughs) But I was like, but I had notes in the other one and people liked it. And they're like, that moved the story forward. These (laughs) editors, man, they, they're great for not letting you get away with stuff, but yeah, they know better, I guess by now, you know, or they're like, yeah, it, which it makes sense. That's so, cause you could see it. I created my own formulas and they're like, great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, like, how do I, how do I still get this in there? What can yeah. I do? <laughs> <laughs> My agent's favorite response is, "You can always put it in the newsletter." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> uh, they do. Oh, try. that's so funny. You just try to like, try to like pivot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, we 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 get it, but no. <laughs> like creative conceit sometimes is also like you do need to be edited right so I um I think like I'm grateful for that because for me I can run away with the research and the pros will get so bogged down and you know as it is like you know the jargon of the industry the jargon of the tea industry all of that uh the jargon of the hotel industry like I had to make sure that people who aren't familiar with that, with that subject matter can have an ease of entry into it. Yeah. It is like a fine line, you know, cause you want to, you don't want to insult the reader by thinking, Oh, they, they won't get this or they won't follow this. Cause it's part of who her background, right? Like her origin story. That's like part of who she is and who she's become is knowing all that stuff that you Want, and then it's like, yeah, like, how do you translate that to, to a story? Yeah. Or like, how do you fit it in? And know? my readers really just want to f- go with the character. They don't really want to be like, don't lecture me on the history of her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are other books for that. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I didn't even know that master perfumer was like a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I assumed there was like, yeah, like labs, like and and product development, people figuring out things one way or the other. But I didn't realize that was like a coveted position, like in that industry or in that line of work, in that trajectory. I had no idea. As I imagine the way she was like, her boss was describing it when she was like, you know, you're still kind of young, like, just so you know, it's it's still a little ways away almost, you know, it's like, obviously we want to be like kind of spoiler free, but you know, she, Asha, she kind of gets like a little moment of realization, like where it's, it's her decision kind of like comes to a halt. Like, well, this is, this is a reality of it. Like, where do you, what's your next move? Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. And it, it is that like younger millennial gen, gen Z mindset of like, you've been told you're really good at what you mm-hmm. do for most of your life. And you have this weird natural talent that you don't even have to work that hard yeah. to be that good. And then you you run up against a system that says, no, there's a path you have to have certain qualifications. You have to have a certain level of experience. You have to follow this path. And whether you agree or not, like you're still in that system. So, yeah. you know, you have two options. You can continue to to stay in that path and know you have to, to use a Gen Z term. I mean, Gen X term, like wait your turn, right? Yeah. Like Gen X had to wait their turn until they do their time. Sort of yeah. like, And younger millennials and uh, Gen Z aren't about that. They're like, well, then I will go carve out my own path because Mm -hmm. the system is not. And I'm not saying that's the path she chooses here, but I just wanted to explore a little bit of that, of what it likes to be. That's why I made the perfume industry a conglomerate versus like a very specific small business endeavor because you're butting up against systems and then you have to work in a system or not. Yeah. And not even that, but it's like, you're not even the only one trying to do that. Yeah. You've got competition and kind of like how um, you explore in uh, Poppy's story was that, you know, she's a person of color. And so, and in Paris where that, um, that's the hot spot, right? It's like, is she's so, you know, she's her, her, each step is a little bit higher for that unfortunately um and i kind of also want to explore that like coming piggybacking off of that where you know because there is that generational thing where you know the kids now entering the workforce entry level style they yeah they're kind of like well it doesn't have to be this way or there might be other paths out there that you know i could explore and still fit in and still get what i want Cause you kind of, you, you did explore this on, um, with Mina Dave too, where that, you know, Indian culture versus like the generational upbringings, mm-hmm. you know, versus like the Western way of doing things. And, um, you know, how, how people like regionally when they came over here, like each, each subsequent generation does things a little differently. Cause it's like, we're, our, maybe our, we're not American, but we're mar- raising American kids. It's like, what does that mean? You know? So it's, you know, how did that, like, did you kind of approach it the same way um, with the two, the stories that you did or, um, you know, were there any, like anything different that you found going with um, Poppy's story that based on what her trajectory was going to be? Yeah. Um, that's really interesting question. So <laughs> 
I won't take credit for intentionality. I think there are foundations that are just lived experiences for me that understand the generational dynamics of mm-hmm. in culture. And, you know, the, the diaspora of people who came over in the 60s, 70s, 50s is very different than 90s, 2000s, because there was no sort of infrastructure or community here. So they built it on the ideologies and the culture that they brought with them, whether it's food, arranged marriages, religion, all of those traditions. And then each generation had to like chip away at that. Right. And now, um, and I talk about this uh, with uh, Raman uncle's son, who is in, in sort of my demographic. And he's like, we always get forget forgotten about. Cause like, our parents raised us as very strict, you know, and very, and meanwhile, like my child is like, not today, sir. And like, <laughs> you can't even imagine doing that to our parents, right? Like, but your child gets away with it because you've assimilated. So there's this, um, you know, we talk about like, there's no true what there's no one thing or one way to be right it's just an accumulation of experiences whether they're within a family within a community within a city like we can spend an hour talking about boston versus chicago right yeah right (laughs) (laughs) there are universalisms that we both adhere to because of the cities that we live in so it wasn't um that particular part that was intentional because i think that's the underlying thing but what was intentional was the legacy part. So, you know, a four, over 40% of hotels and motels are owned by Gujaratis. And that culture in and of itself, the hotel culture is very different than, than like, I didn't grow up in a hotel culture. Um, mm-hmm. um, so it is this idea of like, you're building for the future, you're not building for yourselves. Um, you know, so they, uh, Neil's family was building this legacy for them for their future for their children's future and poppy's father approached it differently what his legacy would be right and so that's where that question of like do i do this because my dad built it for me or do i do this because i love it yeah i don't know if i love it right (laughs) (laughs) um but that is very it's like I think I try to toggle the universal with the specific. So I don't think Indian Americans are the only ones wrestling with that question. I also don't think immigrants are the only ones wrestling with that question. I think anyone can relate. If you're the first generation, first person in your family to go to college, what are, what, what do you owe in return back to your family that didn't go to college? Right. Like, so those are the things that bind us in a way. And, um, you know, we're in a hyper individualistic society where it's like, particularly now, I have to have it my way. I'm going to be on my own terms. I will be whatever. And you can't tell me what to do, right? It seeps in through everything. But I think like we all wrestle with it inside. We don't really talk about it as much. So I wanted to have that arc go through and say like, what is it to like deep down feel bad if you make your own choice? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine that is like, you know, I like that comparison of, you know, yeah, even if you are, you were born and raised here or you're like, you know, third, fourth generation, whatever, like 
mm-hmm. there's yeah there's an example of oh i'm the first person to get an advanced degree or i'm first person to whatever like travel abroad or so, you know anything and but yeah cuz you're absolutely right like a lot of um different cultures kind of go through that like the immigrants who came here whether or not they had a structure they had a they had to figure it out and then they had to yeah. think for the future while their kids lack of better words the farm hands they had to they were the unpaid employees you know they had to assist and help and and eventually become like part of the you know the households um and then you know the next generation they're they're able to live a little bit more comfortably with a little more you know uh brain freedom with a little more creative freedom yeah when you're you're just in it's the maslow right when you're just trying to get your needs met like my parents never thought oh what would i be when i grow up like my dad was like i gotta make money so i will go to school and then i will you know and when he came here he's like i don't know i can't get employment so I'm going to go work in a newsstand and then eventually wind up buying a newsstand. Right. Yeah. Like my mom was a teacher, but she came here and she's like, well, the insurance company hired me. So I'm going to like, <laughs> they just never really think about passion or career. And versus me, it was like, you know, at 17, what major am I going to choose? Yeah. Well, first of all, I chose theater and my parents were like, absolutely not. Even though <laughs> you're paying for college. No, you're going to get a business degree so that you can support yourself or support your family. So like, so you could go own a theater and then you you know, my sister wanted to be an architect and like, you know, my mother's side is all engineers. So they're like, why don't you try engineering first? And after one semester, she's like, no, architect. (laughs) Now she's, she's a very successful architect, you know, but we are thankful that our parents enabled us to have that life and so now when I'm you know in the position of having like they're older so I'm taking care of them I want to show that respect I want to show that level of how do I comfort like how do I my parents are fine by the way it's not (laughs) (laughs) but it is like how do I uh, treat you with care because you did for me you know, I, I know I'm at that point where I just don't like asking them for anything. <laughs> I just really well, the back don't. Of dad informed me that they were closed when I decided to go to grad school. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. We're like, no, we're no longer open. Like, <laughs> well, now they fill my tank up when I go. To the yeah, right. Oh, dad my God, washes so... my car. I'm like, thanks, dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I know. I think I'm just at the point where like, I just I I appreciate everything they've done. And they currently, um, they babysit our, they're both retired too, but they babysit for us a few days a week and saving a ton of money on on childcare in general. But so like, I, I just if we need a babysitter on a weekend, I just, I don't like to ask them if I need something like longer than a typical work day. I do not like asking them. We figure it out uh, one way or the other. And yeah, they kind of just joke around like, you know, if you have a third one, just no evenings, no weekends, like just, you know. <laughs> okay. Definitely not Daisy because my oh. parents and my aunts and uncles would be like, what do you mean? 
you're calling a babysitter. I'm right here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Well, it's funny because my mom, um, her, she's Mexican. So it's like she definitely, but I think it was like she was raised like they wanted to be as American as possible. Right. So like, I think a lot of that, there's a lot of those like disparities there where it's like, yeah, in typical like Mexican culture, it's like multi-generational homes or, you know, like the women, like everybody has their roles and things like that. But then I just know that she, unfortunately she didn't learn Spanish because it was like survival. They're like, no, we're here now. This is American. Like, plus, I mean, my, yeah, my uncles would get, they would experience like bullying and violence no matter what language they spoke. So it, you know, it was that whole thing, but yeah, I think that's definitely a big difference. A part of it was like my, plus, you know, they're getting older and I think they're running out of steam. Like my mom just turned 70. She's still, you know, she, she, I could still, we're going to go to a wine tasting for Mother's Day this weekend. So we could still do fun stuff like that. But it's like my two year old, he, he's a bit much. So I can like, you know, so, but yeah, I have to think about that too. It's, yeah, like that difference is because like it's another, it's just another example of where I don't, I've just, I care about them. I, I want them to enjoy their lives. And then like, again, like they don't charge us for childcare. So whenever like we're having a meal out together, we'll just take care of the bill. We don't care. They'll ask like, what do you, you know, what do we owe you for dinner? I'm like, don't, don't worry about it. Even if I ask my husband, husband, he's going to say like, no, zero. Like what? (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's like things like that we try, but no, I totally get it. Individualistic culture does inform you, right? So like the grandmother's purposefully are living separately they're like no we we did the work we took care of our husbands and your children yeah now it's our time to like go drinking go bike riding go do whatever yeah in their 80s but they're still choosing that freedom that living in a american culture offers them yeah and and they work hard to get that sort of lifestyle right is that kind of with like with Le- what was her name Leela and, and Mina with the two? Oh, Mimi. Mimi, I was okay, there. You go. <laughs> I was trying to remember the like names. Let me tell you, names are hard. I have to like for this one. There were so many characters. I had to do like a family tree to be oh, like, yeah. <laughs> whose grandmother is who? What? Yeah, so, I. It's totally fine, but it is in the first draft. I had four of them. Oh, okay. And- my editor was like, that's a lot. <laughs> so I paired it back and gave them a group. Like, of, yeah. oh, know, yeah. <laughs> what is but it? The, the nannies of Napa or something? Yeah, you gave them their own, like. Yeah. yeah. But it was just like, sometimes, you know, you talk about your parents and you're going wine tasting. Like, when we're younger, we don't associate those things to older people, right? But it's like. Yeah, God willing, we're all going to get old. We still yeah. want to be seen as individuals and as people and not just by the role we play in our family, like a grandmother yeah. or something, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, they were people before they had kids, before they had other family members, like young family members. Yeah, right. absolutely. So I want I wanted the, the nannies to have some fun. <laughs> yeah, too much fun sometimes, right? Too much fun, yeah. <laughs> Like so. the re- the readers meet them like sunbathing topless. Poor Poppy. She's just like, what the? <laughs> it's like and it's an ongoing like, joke between Neil and Millie to be like, yeah. don't ever go in there. With yeah, right. <laughs> and that's, but that's like also kind of like, 
gives you a little idea, gives the reader an idea of like her friends that her childhood friends, they know better by now, but she hasn't been here. So she's like, why, what am I walking into? Like, right. like what's, when did you start doing this? Like what? <laughs> and the hurt part is she didn't know. Like no one texted her to be like our grandmothers are sunbathing topless in their backyard. Right. You know? <laughs> so those were the little things that you don't have time to share when you're doing a 30 minute phone call or yeah. you know, hi or bye. It's just, um, it's different. <laughs> it was just like the, the conversation wouldn't like naturally gravitate towards that. Right. Like yeah. it's almost yeah. like gossip. Like it's just not the same, you know, it's, when you're not in the seeing the same people or, or experiencing the same things, it's, it's different. And basically it's just highlights of your life versus the details of your life. So uh-huh. then you're just spending all your time informing each other of headlines. Yeah, right? exactly. And um, so much of our relationships are built in the details and that's mm-hmm. really what I wanted to to reflect, you know, yeah. or at least explore in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a couple of things, like I did want to touch about the tea aspect because she yeah. kind of gravitates towards tea because she's like trying to find, um, you know, she's trying to figure out how to get her gift back or where she needs to, what she has to do. And, and she has to think about a lot of things. And so um, was tea just like kind of just tea kind of seems natural or is it like part of, you know, her background, maybe that she wanted to revisit or, you know what I mean? Cause like, I imagine you did some research with the tea too, but I don't know if you did as much. Cause like her, her, you know, the, the whole family, the whole environment, the land that the hotel, like the, the title is scent of a garden. So yes. it's like, it's very um, integral into like her, her upbringing and her, a lot of her memories and like moments that, she remembers like very uh, positively. So how did, you know, like how did the tea stuff go? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it took a, it took a, um, I wanted her to have something that was a parallel that she can fall back on that gave her comfort because I didn't want her to sort of be like, well, now there are no options for my abilities. Right. And since her, her sense of smell is what her identity relied on. And she always used, you know, when your passion becomes work, you find other things. And for her, tea gave her a sense of peace. And it was, it was adjacent to her. She could still experiment. She could still be like, oh, if I added chamomile and lemon flower, but then I, then I add nettles, what does that do to the Mm -hmm. profile of the tea, the color, the, the aroma? So she was trying to channel her creativity in tea yeah. because her job became work. And, um, you know, in my research, there are tea sommeliers, right? They are, I mean, tea is as luxurious as perfumes, if you think about it. And, you know, there are teas that are worth like a million dollars per kilo or, and yet we sort of take it for granted that we're just, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> it's funny because this weekend, we had a conversation around the type of tea we use to make cha. And like now with all the different brands, like <laughs> families are taste doing their own versions of like experimenting with different cha brands, the loose tea that you get. And, yeah. you know, in our family, the consensus was Vag Bakri, which is like this brand that I don't know. And they're like, 
but Tata Gold is awful. You just hate <laughs> nothing. And this one has water <laughs> consistency. And I'm like, this is how much time we spend on like what we drink every morning. Right. <laughs> so- <laughs> well, yeah, um, it shows us like how complex uh, yeah. certain blends can be. And, yeah. and how you explained it with Poppy, it's just like, you know, not just like how long you steep it, but then like the color and, and you know, cause like tea could look, it's, it's hard to get that hue right where it's cause you're mixing all these herbs and it's like a lot of earthy, not earthy flavors, but like a lot of the colors, like earthy tones and to make it look not earthy. Like, like yeah, I mean, you want to, you know, the concoction she makes that turns into like a, you don't want to drink a pinkish gray <laughs> form of liquid and even if it tastes good, you're just still yeah. a little bit put off by it. But we do, you know, just as perfumes, tea has as many combinations as you want. And, you know, it can be medicinal, it could be soothing, it could be caffeine jolt, all of those different purposes, right? So I wanted something that was parallel to perfumery that she could sort of rely on. Because imagine the trauma of losing your identity because you can't smell <laughs> you need some sort of a crutch to fall back on right so yeah yeah she needed some like yeah exactly she needed i don't want to say like a project but she needed yeah, another outlet she needed another way to like yeah uh use that brain power and energy because she's not you know she obviously she's intelligent and i think she would drive herself nuts if she you know, she's not like the, the wallowing type per se, like, or, or she wallows while she like is working on something like she, (laughs) that's her way to wallow. You know, it's, and, and I totally get that where she, where she's just like, go, go, go. And then she's like, oh crap. What now? Like, what do I do? And she's, you know, emotionally stunted because she had to raise herself from 17 onwards, you know, and when you go back home after a significant period of time, you revert back to your childhood, the way you snap at your mom for doing something that annoys you. You would never do that to anybody in your life, but your mom. Yeah, exactly. But um, I wanted her to like grow emotionally, but to lean on the people because her, her sort of frustration with herself, like it almost at the beginning comes out as a resentment for Mm. a lot of people. Right. And she doesn't treat a lot of people right in the beginning. (laughs) And you can almost get frustrated by her. If hopefully the empathy part is there, that people can understand that she's, frustrated and it's channeling resentment because she still has that emotional work that she needs to do to understand who she is in relation to this family. So yeah, yeah, I I think uh, a lot of it for her was emotional maturity in the confines of the way family can bring you there that that strangers or tertiary friends can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like just with her yeah, because I'm thinking about like, okay, she had to rehash her friendship with Millie, but like, it would have, that seemed like the easiest one to do. She was like that true friendship roles. It's like, okay, yeah, and, like they could just be real with each other. Like, okay, yeah, this pissed me off. And she was like, yeah, my bad. Like, and then we're cool, moved on. Okay, yeah. we're, you know, whereas, yeah, with like her mom and her grandmother, it's a little more complicated. She's like 
trying to figure out she's trying to come to terms with the relationship with her dad and then she learns later on why things were the way they were and it kind of does like kind of speak on how a lot of i think adults even when they grow up or they from children to adults and they realize the more they learn the more their worldview expands it's like then the more the more they understand they're like and the more they understand that there was a lot that they didn't know you know, and so I think that that that, oh, that was like you did a fantastic job of like making that so realistic. You know, she kind of has like the resentment is there for sure. And with multiple members of her family in different ways with her dad, she kind of just accepted that's just how things are. And then she got the she you know, she kind of gets an explanation for it where she's able to like kind of forgive. I think both of them like she she can forgive <clears throat> the people who she needs to. But then she can also like forgive herself a little bit too. Cause I think that's a part of it too, where, you know, you need to like kind of come to terms with, with your part. It's so tricky. She, she's going through it. Poppy's going, going through, through it. it. <laughs> Did I say cozy. I meant she's going through it. <laughs> <laughs> but the surroundings are cozy. In the they are. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine like, you know, her coming back, just this overall like vibrance of color and smells. And well, maybe that's unfortunately not smells for her, but <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like the colors and, and everything and just like that energy and that vibe kind of like feeding back into her. And she just kind of, I don't know, maybe like not overwhelmed, but I just, I, I, it was easy to picture that, like kind of that environment versus the environment that she's been in for like the past several years. So no, but I imagine that was fun to, to write about, or just, just kind of like trying to put yourself there so that you could put the readers there, you know, and like yeah. just contrast. You don't know two. how much grass I smelled and moss <laughs> and earth. And I learned that different parts of the the <clears throat> our country have different grades of soil. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I sat it in Napa because the first Indian American run hotel was in San Francisco, but I wanted to send this, put this in a more um, serene setting just because of the tone of the book, as well as like the contrast between Paris and Napa. And I sort of wanted to glamorize home instead of glamorizing Paris. Like we as Americans tend to always glamorize, you know, at least Europe. Yeah. And uh, in this case, I'm like, you know, uh, sorry, Paris, we're going to Napa. <laughs> uh, I spent, I spent a lot of time in Paris. I, I studied there for, for a while. So I was like, Oh, okay. I see the so underbelly of Paris. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I love Paris. I'm like, oh, I don't. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, I, I mean, spending... French listeners who are like, who doesn't like Paris? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're true, you know, if, they, if they've dig deep into the culture, they might get it. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've heard that too, where it's just so romanticized. But then when people get there, they're just like kind of underwhelmed because it's been hyped up so much. But um, if, even then, if you go out of town anywhere, it's like being there, like it's so glamorous because you're going to be there for a week and it's new and it's different versus like if you were there for, you know, maybe a month, you'd be like, oh God, like where do I. Like, where do I just get like a bar of soap or what? Like, like, you know, like, where do I, <laughs> is those but other can, like things that... just communicate with me? Cause you know, my problem is I can't, I've tried to learn French, but I just 
my native language is Gujarati and Hindi, so my tongue doesn't pronounce those words. I can't even hear it, right? I can't hear the <laughs> words, the breaks, the sentence, like, so spending time there for, for a little bit of university, I was like, I can't, I don't know what's happening. It becomes yeah. very fascinating because you can't really communicate. And um, when you can't, you feel so outside of culture yeah. that, you know, you're almost like, Okay, I only walk. I can only walk along the Seine and sit in a ca- cafe overlooking the river for so many times. Yeah. Where I'm like, <laughs> someone talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could totally see that. I mean, it, like me going on vacation. Like whenever I go visit another country, like I've I've taken the time to try to like learn yeah. words. Um, you know. But it's a lot of the time, I think, like, if you attempt, I've never been to France, though, and I've never tried oh. to learn French, like Spanish. I mean, like, I, I understand a lot of Spanish. I'm not fluent, though, but I um I try to learn Italian, try to learn German. Yeah. Um, I even try to learn, went to Ireland a few years ago. I tried to learn that Irish language, Gaelic, and which is like, it doesn't make any sense to me, even though I'm like half Irish. It's like, it doesn't because phonetically it doesn't make sense and the syntax it's like it's just totally you know because if you learn like um spanish in school for example you could kind of like recognize some parts and and the order of things and phonetically or like even if you look at a word you might be able to figure out what that means but with irish it was just not i mean luckily there's everybody there speaks english anyway but it was like i just remember being like oh is that do i need to do this but i I still kept trying but it was still like seeing it spelled and hearing it pronounced were like it's wholly different it sounded like two different languages at some point so so i was just like so no i get how isolating that could be because you just want to like immerse yourself or at least show that you're making an attempt but i don't know how how the french you know really would take to someone they wouldn't, I don't know if they would see it that way. If they'd be like, okay, well, they're trying. They might no. be like, no, you're wasting my time. Like, I'm not. Yeah. So um, when I was studying there, they they actually had a minister of culture was um, very adamant, adamant about preserving the French language. They are still, but because they, you know, they feared the internet was no. making the global language English. And they would much rather the global language be French, which is... Okay, I mean if that's your thing, <laughs> but um, they they just have such a deep love for their language that if you don't do it right, there's very little patience, and it's not like they're going to switch to English. So I learned again. This was a while ago, so I don't know if it's the same. I learned that they were nicer to me when I pretended I was Canadian than oh, really? American. <laughs> so hi, I'm from Vancouver. Right. <laughs> good to know so next time you go just sort of be like i'm from whatever your north the province above you is right right <laughs> oh my god that's so funny because you, yeah. you learn that one way or the other survival, survival. <laughs> yeah. y'all gotta we all gotta find a way <laughs> yeah oh man oh that's hilarious um So just a couple more questions before we wrap up here. I want to, okay, so this might be fun or tricky for you. 
what would you think Amina's advice for Asha would be and vice versa Asha's advice for Amina? <laughs> that is amazing question. I, I gotta say, because they're so different in so many ways. I think Asha's advice would be to be like, Oh, but it's whether it's at the start or the end, right. That's the hard part. Like maybe yeah. Beginning, Asha's advice would be like, Take that apartment, turn it into a profit, and get out of Dodge. <laughs> but, it, you know, and Mina's advice to Asha would be like, um, you have a good thing going in Paris. Like, what are you doing? Like, find another job in Paris if you want to stay. So at the beginning of the book, they might, like, be bad influences to each other. <laughs> <laughs> but I think at the end of the book, they might want to commiserate, like, Oh, you know, for, for Asha, it would be like, Mina, it's a good thing that they're always in your business, you know, and they're not like leaving you alone. And Asha would be like, girl, you need some privacy. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot be living at your parents' house anymore. <laughs> I love that. That's how they would communicate with each other. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, that's what it was. It was kind of like you you know like we said earlier like you kind of do like a little u-turn with with the two main characters that you developed and but i i like that how they're both like what do you what do you do what do you mean yeah. what's the problem like what is you should be so lucky they just barge into your house you know i, know. <laughs> I don't know how many times people tell me that that they're like loved the communal apartment in, oh yeah you know, but then they were like but if i think about it I don't know if I want people in and out of my space all the time. No, or yeah, it's just like lack of boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, what? No, see, I'm a very like, I'm, I appreciate my, my privacy and, and I appreciate my individuality. So I'm not the one who's like always seeking out like companionship per se, or I don't know, lack of better words, advice or, or company. I'm, I'm fine. I'm very content just like, going to a restaurant by myself i don't care like uh, to me that sounds very nice <laughs> so you yes. know um i have my book and if i have my book i'm i'm good i'm fine wherever but yeah i was i'm i think i'm right there with me now where it's just like i'm in right there with you where just i don't know like what do you mean they don't lock their doors like what <laughs> but there's some people who grew up in in families like that where it's just like what this is my house like why is your door closed you know what <laughs> We were at my parents this weekend and my parents don't knock. They just open the door if you're in a room. She actually locked the bedroom. So she's like, I'm going to make mom knock on my door. (laughs) It's like, it's her house. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it it is, it's all how you, you know, it's part of it is cultural. Part of it is individual. I, I I hate going to movies with friends. I like to go by myself because I want to watch what I want to watch. I want to enjoy what I enjoy. <laughs> then I'll meet up with friends after. You know? Yeah, that's so fun. I do. I like going to movies by myself, too. Because it's like, what do you do? You're just going to like, you're just sitting there watching. You don't need to be with people. But yeah. my husband, on the other hand, he doesn't like going to movies by himself. I think like, I don't know. It's 
and I, which I don't understand. I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know. I just don't like it. I think there's been a couple times where he like fell asleep, and I think that's part of it. We're like, I, you know, fall. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand how you're gonna fall asleep. It's loud. There's a huge picture in your face. Like, how do you? Like, I don't understand how you fall asleep. Maybe because it's dark, but still, I don't. I, I don't get it. But no, I, I'm no, I'm right there with you. I like, I like, I don't mind seeing like. Obviously, with friends is fun, but I'm like. I don't care if I want to see this movie and I have nobody's there to go see it with me. Like I'll go. I don't care. I guess sounds yeah. great. <laughs> I just don't like to compromise on what movie we watch. So that's-, <laughs> Very that's so funny. You know, like you, well, luckily for me and my husband, we usually go because there's something we both want to see um, or we want to see it like right away before the internet like spoils things for us. But, but yeah, other than that, that's no that's so funny yeah if there is a movie that i want to see that he has no interest in and i'm really desperate yeah i'll go i'll go see it i'll be like no i'm gonna go i'm gonna go do this right now you good okay i'll go after the kids go to bed it's all fine like what? <laughs> you know it's all fine um okay nabrata patel where can what are you working on next are you, do you have any other projects that you're working on that you could talk about yes i'm working on the next book Yay. Um, it's not announced yet but it's about Ayurvedic healers who have a spice shop and I'm trying to tackle um, it's like multi-generational two feuding families and try in the spice trade and tackling appreciation versus appropriation in the context okay. of capitalism. So I'm sure in Chicago, you know, Patel brothers started in Chicago, right? So okay. That's like, yeah, my- no, that's a, yeah, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. yeah. And I, I make, I think maybe I also noticed it more after um, our last conversation where you said like, that's kind of how the research that like you discover, well, when you were doing your research, you discovered like the whole uh, group of the first immigrants, how they're coming over here. They were just bring all their spices with them. <laughs> like, yeah. it was so crazy and fascinating to me. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. So you get, you're getting yeah. to like explore that story. Yeah, and it's uh, set in Salem, so uh, okay. it's not magical or mystical, but it is surrounded by the ideas of like magic, you know. And we all want like those cures. And <laughs> I mean, I I will say I've gone to Salem and bought a crystal or two in my life, yeah. even though I'm yeah. very much a pragmatic person. <laughs> it's so, a little guilty pleasure, you yeah. know. But it you does have. Uh, two feuding families and i'm excited to write about that um, oh nice oh, I'm ex- that's exciting yeah, yeah. well you know you're all will we'll always be here when you're yes. ready to, to promote again so <laughs> i'll see you next may <laughs> right <laughs> uh, perfect so um namrata patel where can people find you online and on social media so uh namrata patel author at instagram uh nonpatel.com is my website and at nonpatel on Twitter. And I do not post TikToks, but I'm there somewhere <laughs> up there, but I don't post anything. Um and then uh Scent of a Garden is available for pre-order right now anywhere you buy your books. Awesome, awesome. Namrata Patel, thank you so much. Scent of a Garden is out on June 13th. 
Can Life of Mina Dave, go get it now. It's available yeah. now. Uh, thank you so much. This is such a cool conversation. I always, I, I enjoy, uh, I feel like this time and the last time I learned something new. So I appreciate that. Oh, great. And thank you for having me. And let's go to watch movies separately. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there you go. That was Namrata Patel talking about the <clears throat> scent of a garden that comes out on June 13th. As always, check out the show notes for links to find her online and on social media and where to purchase the book. Um, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, the Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. If you're looking for your next uh, book read, go ahead and check out my reviews on thenerdcantina.com. Rate, review, subscribe. If you do find that you are enjoying some of these authors and their books, go ahead and hop on Amazon and Goodreads to give them a rating. It really does help them out. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.